Matthew chapter 5. And I want to welcome everyone to spring again. Uh, we had winter last week, I guess, early in the week. Um, they said move to Utah. It would be nice, they said. It would be beautiful. And uh, we were talking about, thinking about picking out pumpkins, not shoveling snow. Um, so I d- yeah, wah. <laughs> uh, someone was listening to that sermon a while back, huh? So I did buy my snow shovel, and uh, I even got a warm pair of boots, and I bought a warm pair of gloves. It was a good thing I did all of that, because then the sun came out, and now it's like spring again, right? You know? So it's, yeah, it's, I'm trying to figure this place out, but we'll get there. All I know is something about, you're not supposed to say the bad word, the word wind is what I told. We're not supposed to say that word. Um, but uh, once in a while we get one of those calm days, right? You know, and uh, I think, is, it, is today one of them? Possibly. I know yesterday was nice. It wasn't real super windy. Uh, and so, but I, I'm slowly getting used to this place, uh, you know, you just wait five minutes and the weather changes, that's what I'm, I'm figuring out, but uh, man, a bunch of snow, we, you know, God's providing, right, I mean, he's giving us what we need, uh, maybe just not necessarily what we want when we want it, um, in Matthew chapter 5, we're on the Beatitudes, and um, encourage it to follow along. Why don't we jump right in Matthew 5 and we'll just read the the Beatitudes once again. Um, It says this, uh, beginning in verse 1. Now when he saw the crowds, he, Jesus, went up on a mountainside and he sat down. And his disciples came to him and he began to teach them, saying, this was his message, this was his sermon. It's a lengthy sermon, but we're only going to look at the first part of it, the introduction. Here was the introduction to Jesus' sermon. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed, notice this, we'll be focusing this morning. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall or will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Let's ask the Lord to bless his word. Lord, I pray you'd bless your word this morning. As we do look at uh, this Sermon on the Mount, Lord, um, the words of none other than our Savior. These are important words and Many of the times uh, we don't quite understand at a casual reading what they mean. Because so many times some of the things that you said just sometimes doesn't make sense, humanly speaking. But we know that you are a supernatural God and we know that, that the Bible is a spiritual book. And that we cannot look at it through the eyes of uh, humanity, but we must look at it through the eyes of divinity of God. 
And so, God, I know that what we're going to look at today is, is oftentimes not mentioned a lot, but it's important. It's necessary. And so I pray that you would please help me in the very brief time that we have to help your people, Father, to help God's people. Lord, as we study your word and the very words of Jesus Christ himself, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Uh, let me just say this, that last week and this week, the first couple of these Beatitudes, these are kind of tough ones, okay? Um, these, and I'm going to be very transparent, very honest, these are not the fun ones that the pastor likes to preach. Um, these are not the ones that you'll probably hear too often uh, an evangelist preach. You know, pick your favorite Guy, maybe not your favorite, but you, you listen to me. I'll just say it. Joel Olstein's probably not going to preach these. Just going to say it, all right? He's not. In fact, Joel Olstein probably, you'll probably hardly, in fact, I don't know if I've ever heard him use this word. We're going to talk about it. It's a word that's in the Bible. It's a doctrinal word. It's in the scripture and probably one of the most important words that we should all really know, but it's called the word, you ready for it? It's a three-letter word. It starts with the letter S. Anyone know what that word is? Sin. You hardly ever hear it taught or preached anymore. It's kind, of, it's kind of been forgotten. It's almost like someone erased it out of the Bible. But can I tell you something? Sin is real. Are you with me this morning? I need help. You see, unless I get help, we're going to be here a while, all right? I need to know you're listening. It's not just how fast I can preach. It's how fast you can listen and how fast you respond when I'm preaching. So we can just, if you just cooperate... We can get out of here a lot sooner, all right? All God's people said? Yeah. All right. So, sin is in the Bible. It's in there. And, 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 and it needs to be addressed. And we'll talk about that in a moment. But there are things that are exciting to preach and things that, you know, as a pastor or preacher, you know, things that, you man, I, I want to preach this to- topic or this subject. Then there's those ones that are sometimes challenging and difficult. And really, let's think about it. When you think about even last week, Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit, being poverty of spirit. You know, let's be honest, it's not easy to tell all of us, hey, we need to have a spirit of humility. Because the fact of the matter is most of us, most of us, even if, we're, we're, if we are humble, we're proud of it. Amen? You know what I mean? So we're, you know, we struggle with that area of humility. We, listen to me, it's ingrained in us. Satan, who was once Lucifer, the most, most powerful created being by God, he fell to pride. He was in the very presence of God and he worshiped God, yet his pride consumed him. And may I say, as we see here, it's so important as we look at these Beatitudes that as we said last week, Jesus in essence was saying that we as his followers, we need an attitude adjustment. And he says it starts with humility. It starts with humility and being poor in spirit and seeing ourselves as who we really are. That without Christ, we are nothing. And that Jesus Christ is our everything. And may I say this, there is such a need in Christianity today that we do not elevate ourselves. Humanism has crept into the church house. And now believers, understand as many believers have been taught this, that somehow you are something great. And that you are awesome. And that you have in you, you have a champion in you. Now, if you have Jesus Christ and he's in your heart, yes, you have a champion in you. But the champion is not you. It's Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen then. Humanity has crept in into where we are elevating man and elevating ourselves. 
And somehow we have taken God off the throne. And may I say to you, that is a great shame. And, and understand that humility is this. The spirit of humility and being in poverty of spirit is this. Is that I need Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ is the Savior. And without him, there is no other way to obtain eternal life. There is no other, other way. Jesus said, if you have poverty of spirit, he says, you are guaranteed the kingdom of heaven. Amen. And so the entrance into the kingdom is that of being poor in spirit. But Jesus doesn't stop there. He goes on to say, he said, blessed are those who mourn. We'll discuss this in a moment. Let me emphasize again that there are things that many times are necessary. Things that maybe we don't necessarily appreciate or enjoy, but they are necessary. You know, that is the way it is in all of our lives. Can I tell you this? In the spiritual realm, there are things that many a times are not necessarily things that we enjoy or things that we may like, or they may not be the things that we say, this is really what I want to focus on, but they're necessary. You know, uh, I, I coach, coach wrestling and sports. And there are times where there's certain things I, I love to teach. And, you'll, and you're teaching technique. And you'll show new moves. And kids get all excited about these new moves and this new technique. But can I tell you, there's also a part uh, of wrestling is you have to be fit. You have to be in shape. And so you'll say, hey, I need you guys to be in shape. So today we're going to do burpees. And everyone goes, Ugh. And I'll go, Wah! Quit crying. Quit your whining, you know? The other day, we were in the weight room. Oh, I did it. It's my fault. <laughs> That's exactly what they sound like. I was in the weight room, and, and we were doing these different lifts. And I said, we're going to be doing, you need to be strong. You need to have strong grip. And we were in the weight room. And one of the guys, he's a freshman, pretty good wrestler. And he's over and he goes, I don't like deadlifts. And I went, I'll keep it down so I don't scare the children. And I went, you know, and all the other ones started laughing and joking. He goes, I don't like these. I don't like that lift. You know, go into the gym. Go into retro fitness on a Monday. It's always on a Monday. Do you know every bench is being used because every guy wants to do bench, right? And, you know, it's always how much can you bench? You know, everyone wants to bench. You know, but there's a lot of other exercises other than the bench. Everyone wants to bench, but no one wants to do a deadlift or no one wants to do burpees or whatever that is. But they're important. No one wants to talk about a healthy diet, right? There's certain things in our diet we would rather do without. You know, my wife will throw spinach into my eggs. I like eggs, but why do you have to put spinach in my eggs? And my wife will say, well, because you need fiber, you need fiber. And at your age, you need more fiber. I'm like, at my age? Really? Oh, okay. And so I'll sit there and I'll gag it down. Can I say, as we look at the word this morning, this is necessary. It may not be the things that we necessarily want to talk about or discuss or enjoy. But at the same time, Jesus said it's necessary. I would, I would propose to you that these are the words of Jesus. This was his, really, in essence, his main sermon, first sermon he preaches, and these are his words. So would you agree with me that these are necessary and important? And he says something interesting. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit. And he says, blessed are those that mourn. 
The Bible is filled with these paradoxes. Think about some of these, these, these teachings throughout the Scripture. Most of them, the words of Jesus. It's such a paradox. You know, and unless you have the Spirit of God, you won't understand these things. Because, for example, Jesus says to find your life, you have to do what? You have to lose it. He says to be, he says, his disciples argued about being the greatest. He said, if you want to be the greatest, then you must be the least. He said, he said to be first, you must be last. Isn't there kind of a theme here? He says it's more happy or you're more blessed or more happy to give than to receive. He says we are, he says when we are weak, then we are strong. Are you starting to get this? He says, he says then happy are the poor in spirit. And then the promise. And then he says this, happy, think about this now. This, humanly speaking, this makes no sense. Happy are those who mourn. And I believe what he's saying is there's a process. There's a process. That when we're poor in spirit and we have this humility, we know who Christ is, that he is the Savior, and that I am like that baby we talked about last week that is completely helpless, that I can do nothing, nothing outside of Christ, and that it's Jesus Christ and him alone and through him alone. Boy, I'll tell you, there's some peace about that, though, because it's not in my hands, it's in his hands. And that my eternity is not based upon me and my performance, but it's based upon the finished work of Jesus Christ. Amen? Whoo, that's good. And I'm promised of eternal life through Christ. But then he says, blessed are those who mourn. But notice the promise, they shall be comforted. In a very practical sense, let me just emphasize something. That there is a time, the Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Solomon says there's a time to, to celebrate, but he says there's a time to mourn. There's a time and a place and a season for everything. And that there will be a time in our lives to mourn. You know, we live in a society. In fact, the first week I started coaching, two of the young, young guys that we were coaching, one, his father died unexpectedly that morning, and I couldn't believe he was there at practice. His father died unexpectedly. He must have been a pretty young man because he had a, a, a freshman. And then there was another boy there, his grand, uh, grandmother, who is very close to. I'm guessing, assuming, I have a feeling grandma kind of raised him. And his mother, his grandmother had just passed the night before. And... As Coach and I were around and we were talking, all the other kids had left and we were talking to this one. He started to kind of tear up, but he was fighting it back. And I'd only known him just a few days, but I said, can I tell you something? I said, listen, I said, God created you to mourn. It's okay. If God didn't, I said, don't think that you have to be macho. Let it out. And he just, and then I just hugged him and said, I'm praying for you. Can I say many times we think that it's not spiritual to mourn? Can I tell you something? Just as much as God has created us with the ability to laugh and that emotion, God has created us. He gave us tear ducts. He gave us, he gave us emotions and feelings, and it's okay to mourn. In fact, God says to do it. And then the Bible says, listen to me, the scripture says to rejoice with those who are rejoicing, to throw a party with those who are rejoicing, but to do what? To mourn. Or to weep with those who are weeping and those who are mourning. Let me also say this. Allow people to come around you 
to grieve with you and to mourn with you. This is what's interesting to me. Many times this is what we do. We have a party or we're celebrating. We bring everyone in. Are you with me? Am I right? Is this true? Facts? We celebrate. But somehow when we're going through difficult time, we don't want anyone else to be around. Can I tell you something? That is the enemy. That is the enemy trying to isolate you. And so we, we rejoice with those who rejoice. And what does the Bible say? Straight from the word, we do what? We weep with those who weep. God created us with this emotion and with this ability. And yet many times we try to fight it off. And many times we don't allow ourselves to go through the mourning process. When I look in scripture, when kings died, sometimes it was for 40 days. They would mourn and weep over the death of a king, even though they weren't related. Some of them maybe had never met them, but the nation would mourn and weep. And so God intended for us to do this. But let me also drive this a little bit deeper, and I believe what Jesus, really in essence, is he's speaking more in the spiritual sense. Although we see through Scripture that physically, yes, that there is a time and a place for mourning, and it's okay, you should mourn, and we should grieve. And, and, that, and that's natural, and God created us that way. But also, what I believe clearly Jesus is speaking of is in a spiritual sense, and bear with me, but what Jesus is really saying is to mourn over sin in our lives. To mourn over, to mourn and to weep over sin. You know, I believe that it, it's all of us, but we struggle. But I think we've lost a little bit of our conviction We've lost, we've lost the tears over the failures and the sin in our lives. I'm speaking for myself. It goes more than that, and we'll see this in a moment, but it goes a little bit more than that. But when we look at our country and we look at our culture and we look at this society and when we look at what's going on in the world today, as believers, I think we have seriously lost that spirit of mourning over the sin and wickedness that this country, that we now embrace. We embrace it. Jesus said, those who mourn will be, here it is, he said, they will be comforted. When was the last time we've wept over sin in our lives? When was the last time we've wept over the sin that we see that is so prevalent in our culture, and in our society. Would you look at with me at 1 John just for a moment? 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 through 10. He says this, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So let me ask you a question. Are we all sinners? Yeah. Do we all struggle with sin? That's the battle. That's, that's what we face every day. He says, if we can, Then he says, If we confess our sins... I love this. 1 John 1, 8-10. If we confess our sins, plural. Do you catch that? More than one. If we confess our sins, He, thank, you, thank God, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins. And notice this. He will purify us. It's a cleansing. He will purify us from all unrighteousness. And then in verse 10. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. 
You know, years ago, I was a youth pastor in Salem, Oregon. We helped the church plant. My wife grew up in that area, and so we, after I finished college, we went out there, and a long story short, I started a, a youth group there, and the youth group was growing, and I remember one, it was a, I believe it was a Sunday, like evening or something, we had a, an activity, we went to Dairy Queen, and by the way, that's where all godly people end up, at Dairy Queen, <laughs> just saying. Anywhere where there's ice cream, there we go. Hey, that Arctic is an Arctic Circle, pretty good, you know? Um, Culver's, frozen custard, hey, same thing, it's all good, right? You know, it's good stuff. I mean, I just know that in heaven, there's, gonna, there's a couple things that are going to be in heaven for sure. One, there's going to be chocolate milk. That is heaven's nectar. Amen? That's Jesus juice right there. Chocolate milk. And then there's going to be all you can eat ice cream. And because we have our glorified bodies and we are sanctified, amen, and in that glorified body, we can eat all that we want. And it will never put on a pound. I, am so, I cannot wait. There'll be angel food, angel food cake and all of that up there. We know that. And uh, if you like devil's food, well, you know where that's at. That's not up there. So anyway, where were we? Dairy Queen. We were at Dairy Queen. And we were at Dairy Queen, and it was a group of us, youth group went in, myself and, you know, I don't know, 10, 12 teenagers, and we're in there hanging out. And then there was another group, and they were also, you know, a Christian group. They were another group, and they were there. Because that's where all God's people go. Chick-fil-A and then ice cream. You know, I mean, right there. There you go. But Chick-fil-A is closed on Sunday, so you can't go there. You know, and so we went to Dairy Queen and we're hanging out. And somehow we get in this conversation. and They, they say they find out we're a church. and they go, Oh, we're a church. And then out of nowhere, this guy just starts starts going into this conversation. And he wants to debate like doctrine and all of this stuff. And I'm like, dude, I just want to eat my blizzard, you know. And I kid you not, somehow it got onto this that he had and that this church and that these people, I won't name the denomination, but that they had a second giving of the Holy Spirit. Now, they're more spiritual than us because he told me, I quote, I cannot make this up. I still remember the exact, that he has come so far in his spiritual walk that he had a second sanctification and that he had not sinned in more than 13 years. And my youth group is sitting there listening to this guy, and their heads are going. And they're like, they're looking at me like, get him, Brother Joe, get him. Sick him. I'm going to tell you something. I know I have the Holy Spirit, at least that day. One, I'm not trying to be mean here. The man was pleasantly plump. Is that a politically way? He was very, he was obese. And on top of that, he had himself a super side, like the biggest. Dairy Queen blizzard you've ever seen. And he was just putting this thing down. And one of the teens whispers to me and says, Brother Joe, Brother Joe, tell him gluttony's a sin. (laughs) And I was like... One of the members of the church, I cannot forget this, one of them said, it's been more than six years since I've sinned. And I thought, wow. I mean, where do you even go with that? Now, we know scripturally they are way off. Would you agree with that? Yes, they're way off, way off. But can I say this practically many times? Are you ready for this? We live the same way. When is the last time we really said, Father, forgive me. 
I've sinned, I've failed you, and really meant it. You know, I, I walked out of there kind of judging them and saying, and, they, and I did, I have to admit, like, dude, these people are so far off. But you know what the Holy Spirit told me? Hey, Joe, they say that and they do that and they believe that, but you are not much different if you go through your everyday life and weeks and months go by and you don't acknowledge the failures and the sin in your life. Are you with me this morning? And I, the Holy Spirit convicted me. I like what this scripture says. It says this, that if we confess our sins, he's faithful, he's just to forgive us, and he cleanses us. That's the comforting part, amen? That when we sin, we have that comfort that he cleanses us, he purifies us. You know, we live in a sinful world. It's filled with sin. It's just, you know, it really is. And for us to to try to to say that we can go through this life and go 13 years without sinning, that is a lie from the enemy. The best way I can illustrate it is like this, is even in all of our good intentions, the Bible talks about that we get splattered with sin, so to speak. It's just around us. It's everywhere. And by the way, that's what's going to make heaven so beautiful is when we're with the Lord, the very presence of sin will be gone, amen, completely and entirely. And I look forward to that day. But we are in a spiritual battle. Paul said in Romans 7, it's a battle, it's a conflict. We are at war. Many years ago, I went on a missions trip to uh, Mexico. I mean, like deep in the heart of Mexico. We went on this, and they had kind of like this compound, and then we were going to... We went out and we were building churches and we were teaching and preaching. It was an awesome experience. And uh, it, it was amazing. Um, there was only one bad part about this missions trip. That is when we got there, they had run out of water, like, like bathing water. They had bottled water, but they ran out of like bathing water. Like it was drought. They had, it was hard to get water. Their cistern had run out. Now there was a way to get it. I'll tell you that in a moment. But there was like no water. And you have to understand something about me. I am, when it comes, like, I like wash my hands 20 times a day. Um, I'm a kind of a, I'll shake hands, but I prefer a fist bump, you know, especially if it's like a teenager or below, uh, you know, <laughs> just certain reasons, you know what I'm saying? Um, <laughs> and so, and if I accidentally fist bump you, don't take any insult, you know? But it's like, I like to be clean. I, I'm, not a, I'm, not, I'm not a once a day guy. I'm like a two or three times a day get a shower. That's just how I am. Okay? And so we're on this mission trip and we go there. And, uh, and I had packed some, some wipies. Thank goodness. I had packed some because wiped my hands and I took a little bag of wipies, you know, that type thing. Long story short, we're on this mission trip. And, uh, you know, and they don't even tell us that... that Oh, by the way, you don't really have any water. You know, there's like no water to shower. They, don't, they fail to tell us that. But we're out mixing concrete by hand. If you've ever done it, it's dirty, it's gross, it's nasty, it's hot. It's like 100 plus degrees, it's, but it's dry, it's dirty, it's dusty, the wind's blowing. And, I, and, and I, I mean, you're just dirty and you sweat and you stink and you smell and you're just like, oh. And then you say to yourself, oh, I just can't wait back to get a nice shower. How many of you have ever been there? You're just like, I just need a shower. I don't know about you, when you fly, have you ever noticed that? When you fly, the first thing you do, now, if you do not 
that, you know, God bless you. But as soon as I get to wherever I'm going, I have got to get a shower. I've been sitting in an airplane or at an airport, sitting on seats where hundreds of other people have sat, sitting by people I don't really want to sit next to, you know, and you're just like, oh, and if it's been a long day, you just can't wait to get a shower because it's just every, you know, there's, it's dirty and germs. We were out there mixing this concrete. I mean, we're just covered head to toe and we're filthy. And we get back and the guy who's kind of hosting us says, oh, by the way, there's really no running water for showers. I'm like, what do you mean there's really no water for running showers? Like, what does this mean? Like, how long? We just don't have any. We don't, it's, the cisterns ran out. We got to eventually get those, you know, pray for rain. I'm like, pray for rain. I'm like, I'm going to pray for your soul. You know, I'm going to be praying for you. I'm going to be praying for your safety. And so here I am with these wipes, you know, and I'm just like... And so you do the whole thing. Second day, I'm, I'm like, something really stinks. And I'm like looking over at my youth pastor, and I'm looking over at some of the guys, and I'm like, y'all reek. And then after a little while, when I was by myself, I still smelled it. And realized it was me. That, and listen, when you smell yourself, that's when you know it's bad. And so I kept trying, and, I thought, and then I'm like, they expect us to work under these conditions? God, you have not called me to do this. I just want to shower. Just want to shower. Three days goes by, and somehow, three days. No, this is, this, is where you, this is where you have to pray. This is when you know you're really filled with the Spirit. I hear the, our youth pastor talking, and the missionary, and they're like discussing and talking, and he's, I find out that there's a guy who has water and that he'll deliver it. And he'll deliver it and pump it. At least, you know, bathing water. Now, we had bottled water, but I'm like, and you, that only goes so far. You're like dumping it and using these wipes and, you know, that only goes so far. And then I, I said, well, well, I said, excuse me, wait, 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 what, what, what did you just say? And he said, well, yeah, I, I can get a guy to deliver it, but it's 250 bucks. I said, 250 bucks? It's paid for. I'll pay for it right now. I'm like, Pastor Dan, give him the money. Let's go. We have the money. We brought all kinds of extra money. We have money. We're Americans. We have money. We shower. Every day. Please. I said, 250. I said, sir, I'm sorry. I said, 250 bucks. You couldn't have told me this on the first day. And sure enough, couple hours later here comes this truck rolling in and it had like this hose and I'm watching the water going into the cistern to where we're going to pump for the showers and 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 the missionary had this rule he said you have to you have to turn the water on for 30 seconds and then you you kind of get wet and lather and then you then you rinse off for 30 seconds I said oh that rule is so broken I said I'm using every day that I missed and then some I went in there, I was like 10 minutes, and the youth pastor was almost embarrassed, like, Pastor Joe, you done yet? Oh, no, I'm just, I was so dirty, and to watch all that grime come off. Can I tell you something, though? When we confess our sins, it is a purifying process, and spiritually speaking, it is like taking a hot spiritual shower. Are you with me this morning? It brings comfort. It brings peace. The promises they shall be comforted. Two examples in the scripture 
two different men who failed miserably, if you will. Basically, about the same day, Jesus, as he's getting ready in his last hours to go to the cross, Judas Iscariot goes in and takes the 30 pieces of silver and betrays Christ. Now think about this for a moment. He later takes the silver and throws them at the feet of the religious leaders. Are you with me? Money breaks. Peter, as he's warming his hand by the fire, denies the Lord not once, not twice, but three times, cursing and swearing and denouncing that he knows Jesus Christ. And as he's there, he makes eye contact with Jesus. And Jesus looks at him. And by the way, I don't believe that Jesus looked at him in a spirit of anger, but out of literally pity, because he knew what Peter now was going to feel. What does Peter do? Peter goes out, and what does he do? He weeps bitterly. Blessed are they who mourn over their sin, for they shall be what? Comforted. Peter goes out and he weeps bitterly and he mourns over his failure, over his sin and how he is rejected and denied his Savior. In fact, he was filled with pride. He had to confess that pride because he said, I will never. Everyone else will deny you, but not me, Lord. And so he goes out and he weeps bitterly. And then later when Jesus comes back, remember what he says? He tells Mary, he says, tell the disciples and who? And Peter. He calls him by name that I will meet him. I will see him. Jesus restoring Peter. Are you with me? Who gets comforted? Peter. Judas Iscariot takes the money back, throws it at the feet. And what does he do? He goes out and he takes his own life. I want you to understand something important here. Judas experienced guilt but he never mourned over his sin. Do you know many times and many Christians, please let this resonate. Many times what we do is we feel guilty over our sin. And by the way, that guilt will consume you. It will eat you up. As much as I hate cancer, but can I tell you something? Guilt is a spiritual cancer that will consume a follower of Jesus Christ. The enemy wants you to be overcome with guilt. Nowhere will you see in the Bible that we are to be, that we should feel guilty. Because by the way, there is no, are you with me? There is no condemnation to those who are in Jesus Christ. Amen? And so guilt is something the enemy uses. And so we see that, that, that there were two individuals. And they, had, they heard the same message that Jesus preached. Are you with me? They were the followers of Jesus. They heard the Sermon on the Mount. And Judas did not choose to go out and mourn and weep over his sin and confess it and to be restored. Rather, he allowed guilt to consume him and he went and he took his own life. I am not here to say that we should feel guilty over sin, but rather we should feel burdened. There's a difference between being burdened and guilty. Are you with me this morning? And the difference is this, is that when we feel this burden over our sin, that we confess it. 
And when we confess it, he says he forgives us. It's a promise from God that if we confess our sins, he will what? He will forgive us and he will cleanse us and he will wash us clean. It's under the blood of Jesus Christ. And so many a times we choose the path that Judas chose. We allow guilt to consume us. Oh, brothers and sisters in Christ, followers of Jesus, may I say this, God never intended for you to carry the weight of guilt. That is why he says this. He says, cast all your care upon me, all of your anxieties, all of your worries, all because I care for you. Amen? That is why Jesus Christ took the sin of the world upon himself, because we could never carry that weight. But he does ask us to weep and to mourn and to confess our sin. And if we do, he says, you'll be cleansed, you'll be forgiven. It's forgotten. It's cast as far as the east is from the west, buried in the depths of the deepest sea. Amen? One last quick passage. We're out of time, but go with me to Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 1. We're about out of time. Nehemiah chapter 1. I just want to show you an example of Nehemiah because I do believe that yes we should be convicted and burdened over the sin in our own personal lives but I do believe Nehemiah sets a good example of someone who wept over the nation that he his country his 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 people it says in Nehemiah 1, starting verse 1, we'll just read through verse 10 very quickly. It says, In the month of Kislev, in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Hananiah, one of my brothers came from Judah with some other men. And I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. They said to me, Those who survived the exile are back in the providence, are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and all the gates have been burned with fire. Notice what is his response. When I heard these things, I sat down. Notice this. And did what? I wept for some days. I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. And then I said, here's his prayer. Listen to this prayer. O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and obey his commands. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open. Notice this. To hear the prayer of your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. Notice what he says. I confess the sins, we Israelites, including myself and my father's house, has committed against you. We have acted very wickedly toward you. We have not obeyed the commands, decrees, and laws you gave our servant Moses. And then he says, remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses, saying that I will, uh, if you're unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even your exiled people are at, at the farthest horizon. I will gather from there and bring them back to the place I have chosen a dwelling place for my name. They are your servants and your people whom you redeem by your great strength and your mighty hand. O Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant, to the prayer of your servants who delight in uh, revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. Speaking of of the king of Persia, he says, I was the cupbearer to the king. We don't have time to look at the rest of the story. Here's the point. Nehemiah was born into captivity. 
He was born into captivity. And he got the word that Jerusalem is falling apart and that it's a disgrace and that things are terrible. What does he do? He takes time. He weeps. He mourns. But he says, I confess the sins of my fathers, of my people. He says, and even my own wickedness, my own sins. And he confesses and he repents. The rest of the story is awesome because it's how God answers his prayer. And how he was the cupbearer and God gave him favor. And it's a great, great book and it's a great story. And how he goes back and he restores the walls and builds the walls and helps restore Jerusalem. And they begin to go back to worshiping God. But here's the point I'm making. Is he repents and confesses and prays for his nation, prays for his people. And even though he was not the one, if you will, who says, I, well, he could have said, well, I'm not guilty of this. This all happened before I was born, this was my forefathers. He, he says, even he says, he takes ownership. Can I just say this? This country needs our prayers, our prayers of confession. When I look each day at the news, the things that I see happening and going on, it breaks my I looked at the news this morning with not a good thing. Looked at the news and one of the things was how a, a granddaughter and her boyfriend took an 88, her 88-year-old grandfather, grandmother, I'm sorry, in Virginia, took her. They literally hogtied this 88-year-old woman, hands and feet behind her back. They beat her. They put a trash bag over her head and suffocated her and killed her for whatever reason. You're doing this to your own family. This past week, numerous different cases where parents literally starved their children to death. A seven-year-old starved to death, tortured by their own family members, by the people that were intended to take care of them. Violence is filling our streets. Violence. Listen to me. I'll be honest. As a parent, and I'm new here, and I'm hoping I can. But, I mean, I get nervous about letting my kids out to play by themselves. Because every day, missing child, missing teenager, missing child. Listen to me. The, the, the crimes against humanity that is happening in this country alone. Human trafficking. Human trafficking. People selling people. Listen to me. Everyone talks about slavery and all of these things. But we see more slavery now, today, this day in 2021, than we've ever seen. Probably a... I mean, all the other years combined and sex trafficking and human trafficking, it's all around us. It's everywhere. Living in Tucson, Arizona and the truck stops in and around there, there was ministry and people who were reaching out. And one of the ladies I know who oversaw ministry, this is so sad to say, but they called those who were giving their bodies in prostitution and selling themselves and most of them, many of them against their will, that they were abducted and taken as young people. And they called them lot lizards. 
I mean, where is our shame? When we think about this, when we think about what's happening in this country, we need to pray for America, our leadership, and and our president. We need to pray for them and pray that God shakes them and God gets a hold of their hearts. Because, listen to me, listen, it, it blows my mind that it is acceptable in this country, not only acceptable, that our taxpayers' money is paying for abortions and partial birth abortions. How can you say that that precious life in the womb is not alive when you can hear a heartbeat? And yes, people want to go out and protest, but can I say this? So oftentimes we want to hold up a sign and protest, but why are we not on our face before God and confessing the sins of this nation and saying, as, 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 as the scripture says, as Solomon heard the word of God, he said, if my people, which are called by my name, will do what? Humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and heal their land. It starts with my people, God's people. And may we, may Red Hills be a church that is a praying church, that we pray for our country, that we, listen to me, beyond that, confess the sins, that when you see on the news, and when you see these things, that you do what Jesus did on the cross. As Jesus hung upon the cross, I close with this. It was intercessory prayer. He said this, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. May we, it takes us, God's people, to mourn over the sins of America because this nation has become not one nation under God. You say, well, what's it going to take, Pastor Joe? You know what it's going to take? Every time we see something that, that uh, sickens us and appalls us, for us to pause for a moment and say, God, Father God, forgive us. Amen? Forgive us. Have mercy upon us. Blessed are they who mourn. Say it with me. For they shall be what? Comforted. Blessed are they who mourn, for they shall be comforted. It's a promise from God. And all God's people said this morning. Amen. Would you stand with me as we have a word of prayer? Would you stand? Father, we